subject this morning is the most wonderful subject in the world. Okay? Knowing Jesus. Okay? It's the greatest thing. Alright? The greatest thing. So we're going to be looking at that this morning and uh, in a moment we'll turn to the scriptures. But as evangelical Christians, um, we use certain phrases um, to express our faith. And um, very often it's to distinguish our faith from what we might call religion, religion as a whole. And um, we're quick to tell people who say, well, of course, you're religious. And we say, well, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. And that's the kind of language that we use. And we say to people, well, it's not about following a set of rules, it's about following a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very personal, it's relational. And um, we might ask the question of someone who seems to be religious or is peddling some um, false religion, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. We might say to them, do you have a personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? It's the kind of test question we might use to them. But what do we mean by such things? What do we mean, personal faith, personal Lord and Saviour? And what in this life is the basis for our knowing Jesus. Is it the same as knowing other people, the people that we live with? Is that the same? Are we talking about the same thing? What do we mean? Now, on a human level, to truly know someone thoroughly, um, we want to experience them face to face. We want to converse with them. Uh, we want to involve ourselves emotionally with them to some degree, with shared experiences. In some cases, we might know them romantically and form a wonderful bond with them, a lasting bond. But our knowledge of them is only complete when we know something more about their life, maybe something about their past, and um, maybe it's their achievements and their triumphs. Um, maybe it's their sorrows and disappointments, their acts of mercy, their sacrifices, their struggles, and even their failures and um, sometimes with people who have lived together for a number of years like married folks and something emerges from the past some skeleton comes out of the cupboard as we say the other person says well I've lived with them all this time but I, I don't think I knew them I never really knew them so it's not just about experience it's also about knowledge and that's important if we really want to know someone it is experience, but it's also knowledge. And the Bible says that one day we will see Jesus face to face. Have you ever meditate on that? We will see Jesus face to face. And we will know as we are known. And therefore, you know, we will have a perfect relationship with Jesus. So that suggests that um, the ways that we know him now are not the ways that we will know him in the future. It will be complete in the future. Now, Jesus' disciples knew him with their physical senses. They live with Jesus, they walk with Jesus, they laugh with Jesus, uh, they listen to his wonderful words, they even sat under his rebukes at times. So they had that very personal human relationship with Jesus. And the, the Apostle John expresses this like this at the beginning of his letter. That which was from the beginning, and he's talking about Jesus, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you, that our joy may be complete. They experience Jesus as a human being, but they're saying, we're now telling you about it, so you can experience Jesus. You can have fellowship with the Father. You can have fellowship uh, with the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, in 2 Peter we read this, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And I believe this, that knowledge of Jesus through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit, we can experience and know uh, Jesus' glory and excellence, or goodness. It's through the means of the Gospel and the Holy Spirit. And although we don't see Jesus in this life, we can know him and be blessed in that knowing. There is a knowing that causes us to be blessed. And um, you remember that, um, that, Jesus, that Thomas insisted on actually touching Jesus before he would believe that he was raised from the dead. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There is a blessing for us who have not touched Jesus and, and seen him face to face as we will do one day. So how do we know Jesus? And if we know him already, how do we get to know him better? Uh, how do we deepen that relationship? Well, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. If you'd like to turn to that. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version this morning. Philippians chapter 3, the first 24 verses. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I write To write the same things to you is no trouble to me. And it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I ha whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible 
I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in any way you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's ask God to help us. Father God, Paul is earnest here. Uh, Lord is passionate about the gospel and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to catch his passion. And Lord, help us to embrace all that you've intended us to embrace in the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Um, we're going to sort of take this verse by verse, but um, we won't necessarily read every verse again. But Paul starts off with a finally, and he does this often, and it's never usually the finally. It's got something else to say. But others have said, it's as for the rest of what I need to say. Okay? And he says right at the beginning, rejoice in the Lord. And what he's saying is, be active in praise and worship. Be active in making much of the Lord. Be, be active in speaking out the, the truth from the scriptures as what, who Jesus is and what he's done. Allow the Holy Spirit to witness in our hearts the good things that we have in Christ. You say, don't lose uh, the, the joy of belonging to Christ. And that's somewhere where we have to be active. And it's in that, it's in our rehearsing and, and, and praising God that we will um, find a, a knowing of Jesus. And then he says, um, I write these same things to you and it's no trouble to me and it's safe for you. Um, write the same things. Repetition, we all need it. We all need some repetition because it guards our hearts. We're all aware that the world is wearing away at us, isn't it? It's bombarding us with its values and its promises and its cynicism. And if we do not, fill our hearts and minds with the truth of God. If we don't continue to rejoice in all that we have in Christ, then we'll begin to look down and we begin to look for our fulfilment in the things of the world rather than looking up and seeing the things that God has purposed for us. So that's important. Repetition is important. And that's why you'll hear the same scriptures week after week. And from time to time, we'll preach similar sermons because once is often not enough. We need that repetition. And then we get verse 2, which is Paul's passion for the gospel. Paul is passionate about the purity of the gospel. You cannot mess about with the gospel. You dare not contaminate it in any way. And he hates it when the gospel is threatened. And he says this, Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the dogs. And the dogs were Jewish believers uh, who were infiltrating the church um, uh, here in Philippi, which was a Gentile church, and trying to convince them that if they truly wanted to be the people of God, they needed to be circumcised. That was the mark in the Old Testament of the people of God, and that they needed to be circumcised. Yes, believe in Jesus, but you need to be circumcised. And uh, as I said, the circumcision... That was the Old Testament sign 
of belonging to God's people. They were saying Jesus plus circumcision. Um, and really what they were saying is Jesus is not enough. It's not enough. If you want to be the people of God, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was not enough to bring you to God and make you his people. And so it's not Jesus plus circumcision. And in the new covenant, salvation, as we know, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Nothing else. That's our salvation. That's how we say it. That's how we become confident uh, that we have a place with God, that we are right with God. It's Jesus' righteousness alone. And Paul writes in Galatians and tells us everything is at stake here. This is so vitally important. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. It's not like, well, we can add a little bit and it doesn't make much difference. No, Christ will have been no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You're putting yourself back under law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Just see how serious that is. You cannot have Jesus and something else. If you have something else, it cancels out the gospel because we've taken ourselves out from grace and put ourselves back under law. And if we're under law, we have to obey it all, and we never will. We never will find our righteousness that way. So if you want to know Jesus, so if you don't know Jesus in salvation, Paul is suggesting that we don't know him at all. Whatever our experiences may be, and you might hear of people having little experiences. I remember there was a lady who used to come here once and she said, I, I, I just sense Jesus on my shoulder. You know, Jesus is always on my shoulder. I don't actually believe the lady was saved. But she had what she thought was an experience of Jesus. But if we don't know him in salvation, uh, the way Paul describes it, then we won't know him at all. He goes on to say, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. We are the true circumcision. We are the people of God now. This is how we're identified as the people of God, that we worship by the Spirit of God. We worship by the Spirit of God. As I said, circumcision was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham, which was enshrined later in the law of Moses. It was an outward sign that wasn't always matched with inward devotion. People relied on the outward sign. We're the people of God. We're, we belong to Abraham. We've been circumcised as Abraham was. And under the new covenant, God looks for a circumcision of the heart. God looks for a work on our hearts, about our hearts being changed, that God looks for. And the people who will worship and serve him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by that means, we obey the law. We obey the law because the law is written on our hearts and by the Spirit we're able to obey that. We're able to obey that law. And we fulfill the law out of love for God, not out of fear of condemnation because we've, we've failed to keep the law. In verses 4 to 6, Paul then talks about his pedigree uh, as a Jew. All right? He talks about the things that would have qualified him uh, if, if favour with God could be found through the law. And uh, he talks about being circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And he goes on. This is his wonderful pedigree. And um, you know, what we find is 
that, um, uh, that he is a champion. Paul is an absolute champion in terms of uh, his confidence in the flesh. And, uh, you know, he would boast in those things. Paul would boast about his fleshly achievements. But earlier he says, we glory or we boast in Christ Jesus. We don't boast in outward things. We boast uh, in the fact that Jesus is our saviour and he is our righteousness. And when it comes to verses 7 and 8, knowing Jesus is everything. Knowing Jesus is that but whatever gain I had, all these outward things, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. But, uh, but he put no... Paul put no confidence in the flesh. He has no confidence in the flesh. Sorry, I've jumped a bit. <laughs> um, verse 3, he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And of course, it was actual flesh that, that he was, Jews were putting confidence. It was about cutting away. It was a physical cutting away. And it's the same trying to gain favour with God by human effort, including religious observance, national identity, and middle-class standards even. At one time, the church was associated with middle-class standards. And uh, very often, uh, if you didn't keep up the middle-class standards, people doubted that you were a Christian. All right? And, uh, and, and it, the church be became very much associated with Western Lifestyle and missionaries went out promoting, often promoting Western lifestyle. And uh, you, you could say, Well, uh, what are the kind of things? Well, I remember the years ago that uh, uh, we, there was a group went out to Romania, and one of the guys was a smoker. And when they got to Romania, the pastor there said he can't be a Christian because he smokes. So, in the pastor's mind, it was believing in Jesus and not smoking made you a Christian. <laughs> all right. Now we, we all know smoking is not good for you, but it doesn't negate being a Christian. All right. But for him, it was not smoking was part of what qualified you uh, to be a Christian. So we need to identify. So what does Paul say about his um, his his pedigree? He says knowing Jesus is everything. It's worth losing everything for this. That's worldly or religious status, reputation or even life itself. It's worth leaving, losing everything for Jesus. Paul was not saying that these things were worthless in themselves. You know, he's not saying his Jewish heritage was worthless at all. But what he's saying is, in terms of being made right with God, they are of no account. I have to consider them of no account so that I may gain Christ. And in terms of being justi justified by God, it was necessary for, he for him to consider these things such that he may gain Christ. And you know, there are many Christians around the world today who are living this out. There are many Christians who are being persecuted and they're, they're losing so much in their life. Uh, they may lose their family, they may lose their home, they may lose their finance, they may lose their opportunities for education, they may lose their freedom, 
and they may also lose their life. They may lose their life because they want to know Jesus, because he is more important than those things. And uh, we have to remember that there are people who are living this out in their life today. And he says after that, to be found in him and his righteousness. Now being in Christ has nothing to do with worldly status or achievement. It is purely by faith and it's open to all. This is the wonder of the gospel. It doesn't matter what your earthly state is. You could be rich, poor, ill, well. Uh, you could live here, live there, live in, you know, in, in a slum. It, it really doesn't matter. It is purely by grace. And in, we, we can become children of God through grace. Absolutely wonderful. And uh, Paul says to the Colossians, For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our lives are now hidden. Paul uses this phrase often, you know, in Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. All right? We are in him. We are secure in him for eternity. And I've often said to be in Christ is the safest place in the universe. There's no safer place than to be in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then he says to the Romans, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. In other words, they were foretelling these things. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have been justified by faith through Christ and it's a gift of God. Now if we've truly embraced this gift of God, if you have truly embraced the gift of God for salvation, then the Holy Spirit confirms that in our hearts and we know we just know that we are saved. Some people said we've got a knower in here. Just somehow, when we embrace God's gospel, we just know that we are saved. And this is really what it means to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Saviour. When we say to somebody, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour? Have they embraced the gospel? And do they know the witness of the Holy Spirit in their hearts that they are saved? Paul says to the Galatians, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Very personal. The Son of God loved me. Yes, he loved the world. God so loved the world. But the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And uh, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him, uh, in his death. So Paul now moves on from knowing Jesus in salvation. We must first know him in salvation if we want to know him further in this life. He's wanting to experience more of him uh, in this life. And he talks about the power of Jesus' resurrection, that he will know Jesus in the power of his resurrection. If you were here a few weeks ago, I was talking about Jesus' resurrection and said Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection of which we are part. 
It's one harvest, one harvest. We have the same harvest as Jesus, but he is the first fruits. And so if Jesus has been raised from the dead, those of us that belong to him will also be raised from the dead. So this is how we know Jesus in his resurrection, which gives us confidence that we have eternal life because we will be raised with him. So that's our confidence is in his, his resurrection. And the same power that's at work in us has raised Jesus from the dead. Then it says the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Jesus is now exalted because of his sufferings. I think there's an indication in the scriptures that we too who suffer for Christ will also be exalted. Those who proclaim the gospel uh, will indeed experience suffering through persecution, rejection, sacrifice and service. Remember the beginning early in the Acts of the Apostles uh, after the Apostles had been, in, had been beaten and imprisoned uh, when they came out they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. They, they rejoiced in the fact they had this identification with the sufferings of Christ. And Paul implies that to know Christ more in this life, we must be prepared to suffer hardship and rejection by the world. Now, I don't know, but if we're honest, and if we say, I want to know Christ more, and I hope that is your desire, that you want to know the Jesus that saves you, you want to know him more, I think we're probably thinking about something a bit more cuddly uh, than uh, persecution or suffering, aren't we? We're not thinking, well, it's, it will be suffering that will make me know, know Jesus more. Um, you know, we, we want a greater inf- intimacy with Jesus, maybe that we see that others have, or that we once had, and it just doesn't seem to be there anymore. So firstly, I don't believe that Paul relied on his feelings to know Jesus. Obviously, he had feelings when he rejoiced in the truth of what Jesus had done for him, all that was accomplished on his behalf by Jesus. He would rejoice in that, and that would be uh, joyful feelings. And also, about him living a life for Jesus, that would be something that he would rejoice in. But I don't uh, believe that, uh, for, for instance, that... Um, he relied on his feelings in knowing Jesus. It was about the truth. And secondly, our feelings can be unreliable, can't they? Our feelings can be according to our moods, what we ate the night before, uh, anything like that. And just to give you an example, uh, if you've been to a very large Christian meeting where there's joyful worship, just a great atmosphere, and you, wow, I just sense the presence of God here, and then there are people falling down, there are, there are loads laughing, there are people crying, there are people doing all sorts of things, but other people are just standing there, and nothing seems to be happening. But actually, if you talk to those people, yes, I'm experiencing the presence of God, but maybe not in the way that these other people are. And it's dangerous to necessarily uh, just feel that it's only through these things that we can experience the the presence of God or that we can actually have um, a a relationship with God on that basis. So our our feelings can be unreliable. But I'm not dismissing deep spiritual experiences. But in themselves, they are not a basis for knowing Jesus. 
The basis for knowing Jesus is embracing the gospel and knowing that Jesus alone is our saviour. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and so on. Right, um, what he says is here, I press on to make it my own. If you're familiar with another version of the Bible, you might know the phrase, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Do you remember that? Okay, and I think that's an easier way just to understand this. And the question that we ask is, what is the that that Jesus took hold of us for? What's, why did Jesus take hold of you? Why did Jesus take hold of me? Why did Jesus take hold of Paul? Was it so that he could be a missionary? Uh, there's some truth in that because right from his conversion, Paul knew that he was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So it could be that. But that's not the main thing. That's not the primary reason. The primary reason Jesus took hold of Paul, took hold of me and took hold of you, that one day you might see him face to face, that you might know him just as he knows you, that you might share in his glory. Jesus wants you to be with him and to experience his glory. And Jesus is our prize. What's the prize What's the prize associated with eternal life? It is Jesus himself. And, um, you know, in John's Gospel towards the end in chapter 17, we have recorded for us Jesus' prayer, sometimes called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, to know you. It's all about knowing Jesus. And then later he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. As Jesus was facing the cross, this was what was on his mind. He wanted his disciples to be with him in glory and to see his glory and be glorified themselves. So whatever is our calling, and it will be different for each one of us, the prize is the same for each of us, which is to be with Jesus and to, be no and to know him as we are known. So he talks about pressing on. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. So how do we press on to know Jesus more? I trust we want to do that. I trust we want to do things in this life. Firstly, we must make sure that we have our confidence in him for salvation. That's got to be the starting point. That we know that, as Paul says, we are found in him. We are found in him. Secondly, that we discover more of Jesus in the word of God. This is the primary way that God has chosen for us to know his son Jesus. It's through the word of God. This is the way that we get to know him. Remember what I read from John's um, first letter when John was just rejoicing in the fact that they'd lived with Jesus. They'd seen him, they'd touched him. Um, he said, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The proclamation of the gospel through the apostles is the way that we have the same fellowship with them in knowing Jesus. We cannot ignore this. Now, if we say, I want to know Jesus, but we don't regularly fill our hearts and minds uh, with the word of God, the revelation that comes from the scriptures, then we're missing the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to make these things real to us. You know, we may say we, we, we love Jesus, we know Jesus, but we want to give the Holy Spirit more opportunity to make that real. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that in the past God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. God has spoken through Jesus. Do we want to hear the words of Jesus? All right. We'll get to know him more if we hear his words. So surely we'll want to hear his words from the Gospels. We'll want to listen to what Jesus has to say. And then we'll want to meditate on what the apostles tell us about the mysteries that God enabled them to reveal about more about Jesus, who he is, who he is and his character and what he has done for us. So then, do you want to press on in your Christian faith to know Jesus more then press into the scriptures. If you ignore the scriptures, you're cutting off a, a wonderful supply of knowing Jesus more. If we don't pursue Jesus Christ through the scriptures and our personal devotions, and I, I haven't got time this morning to talk about prayer, which is a very important way of knowing Jesus, but it's a big subject on its own. But if we don't pursue Jesus Christ through the scriptures and our personal devotions, we may begin to rely on others to sustain us in our faith. This is the danger that we rely on other people to sustain us. For example, the church will become our major preoccupation and we will immerse ourselves in all sorts of activities with the hope that we will be nourished uh, and sustained by our activity. If I only get involved in this, I'll know Jesus more. I'm not saying we can't know Jesus in the activity, but it isn't the primary way. And that we hope that the passion that other Christians had will rub, on, rub off on us. And it does, actually. It does rub off. You get near Christians who are passionate, but the understanding here would be that we are personally passionate for Jesus and we are seeking him personally, ourselves. We cannot rely on other people uh, for that. And um, whilst it's true that we should expect to um, see and experience Jesus in the fellowship of the church, because after all, we are the body of Christ. You know, and I can see Jesus in you. And as I talk to you, I can hear Jesus. And that's what God intended uh, for us to, to support uh, and, and help one another in our understanding of Jesus. Um, it is assumed uh, that we have that personal relationship with Jesus. So where have we come to this morning in our understanding of knowing Jesus? First and fundamentally, it's knowing him in our salvation. Being confident of our sins forgiven and our place in heaven based purely on the sacrifice of Jesus, not by our works in any way. Paul says to the Ephesians, not by works so that no one will boast. Secondly, it's passionately searching the scriptures for more revelation of Jesus, the Son of God, asking the Holy Spirit to re reveal more of him. Also, read books that, that 
tell us more about Jesus. People who have, have studied the scriptures more thoroughly than we have, who put the scriptures together, and the books are about Jesus, telling us more about Jesus. I mean, I've often talked about uh, the, the book, The Glory of Christ, which I read o over and over again. And then there's The Cross of Christ, where, which is um, uh, a, a, another a famous book. But there are lots of books that tell us more about Jesus. Not extra to the scriptures, but help us to understand the scriptures. So let's be passionate about our pursuit of Jesus. Thirdly, let's give ourselves to the humble service of others and lay down our lives uh, for the sake of Christ. This is some way that we will identify with his sufferings. You know, many people have testified, particularly people from the West, who've gone out to places like Africa to serve the poor and the, uh, the, the destitute. Um, they've lived among them and they've served them. They've said, I've experienced Jesus more in those circumstances than back in, in my comfortable um, lifestyle. I've never felt so fulfilled in my life as when I was out there serving the poor and I just saw Jesus in all of them and I felt an identification with the suffering of Jesus as I served the poor. Maybe that's what Paul was talking about when he talked about his identification with the suffering of Jesus. So it's a genuine identif identification with Jesus. So we must most fundamentally know that we know him in salvation. We must search the scriptures that we get to know him more and that in our service for others we will know him. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing and that's a song that we sing, and uh, we're going to sing that to close with. Yeah.